Thank you for joining us this early meeting for the first time in our new building. So we're excited to be able to do that. Uh, we're also excited that you're able to join us uh, this morning. Uh, we actually record this on Friday, so uh, that way it's all uh, ready to go for you um, on Sunday morning. Right now, we're going to have three ways, actually, now of watching us. Um, you can continue to watch on uh, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, the only difference on Facebook now is we're getting away from the premiere event we've had, uh, which allows you real-time comments. It, it, it's locked up on us twice, and so... Uh, for now, we're just simply just posting the video so that it's ready to go at 10 o'clock. But uh, you can watch it on Facebook and YouTube. You can also, we've had people that have had problems with Facebook and YouTube. So uh, here is a third option. You can go to our church website, uh, which is hollyspringsbible.com. Uh, it's all one word, hollyspringsbible.com. And when you get there, you'll see a tab for audio sermons. You can go and click that tab, and it'll bring up all of the audio versions of our messages. Or you can go to the video sermons, and it will bring up the YouTube version of all of the videos that we have. So uh, people have been having a hard time finding the channel sometimes on YouTube, and that will give you a, a great option there to have all of it in one package. And when you uh, Actually, the most recent one is the one that will come up on the church uh, website page. And uh, in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a, a number one slash 14, what that means is there's 14 videos in that series, and you drop that down and you can pick whatever one you want if uh, you're not looking for the most recent one. So uh, those are just some options that you have to either catch up or um, to be able to uh, follow us. Uh, and we've not said anything about this, but we've also, we, I've gotten two, three requests just this week alone. And um, We've had people ask about um, being able to give, and uh, if you go to the church website, there's a tab on there for that. Um, we made a, a purposeful decision at the beginning of this not to uh, make that an emphasis, but I keep getting questions, so uh, just so you know, that, is, uh, that, that's the, that gives you all your um, options on that page. Um, if you're in the area and you want to join us, we would love to have you. Uh, we are asking that everyone who thinks about coming um, ask themselves four questions before they show up. Uh, the first question is, do you have any flu-like symptoms? If so, we're asking that you watch online. Uh, the second question is, have you had a temperature of 100.4 um, or higher in the last 14 days? And if so, we're asking that you watch online. Uh, the third question is, have you had prolonged exposure to somebody? Uh, who has been diagnosed as positive. And so we're asking that you watch online. And then finally, if you have either um, your, your health system is compromised or uh, in particular maybe an age-related issue, we're asking that you watch online. Uh, if you answer no to all those, we would love to have you. Uh, if you answer yes, we're going to encourage you to do online, and that, that's for your safety and also for the safety of uh, folks who are gathered here. Uh, if you're not on our email list, please get on that. That helps us stay in contact. Now that we're meeting together again, uh, we, our primary means of communication will be Sunday morning. But uh, we also uh, highlight the important things and we'll continue to send those out in an email. So that's kind of a way to stay in touch with us and stay connected a little bit um, as uh, we go forward in the next couple of uh, uh, weeks and months as we navigate our way through all of this. So let's uh, pray. Lord, thanks for the day, for uh, the opportunity to uh, focus on your word. And uh, Lord, we've got a lot of folks that are struggling. Lord, this week alone, I know we've got folks facing some 
pretty tough decisions. We have some folks dealing with some pretty serious health issues. And uh, Lord, through all of that, we ask that you would guide and encourage and, and strengthen them. Um, Lord, for all that our country is going through right now, um, Lord, would you heal it? Would you make this a time of uh, unity rather than uh, dividing and, and, and fighting and all that's going on? Um, Lord, may we be the examples. May we be the light, the testimony through all of it. And Father, this morning as we gather together, would you speak to our hearts? Would you um, help us not just to hear uh, what you would have for us, but also to apply it? And that, Lord, as we walk away this morning, we would have uh, lessons that, uh, that we could learn and remember and, and change the way that we do life. And uh, look forward, Lord, to the day that we uh, are with you for all of eternity. And so guide us this morning. Um, thanks for the time. These things we ask you in your name. Amen. If uh, you have been with us for a while uh, following this uh, whole thing, uh, one of the things that uh, we've been doing is we've been going through the life of uh, Moses and the children of Israel. And we're going to continue that. We're going to be there probably for at least the rest of the summer. Uh, but uh, when we left off last week, the um, children of Israel were about to go to Sinai. That's their next stop. And so we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Sinai and the commandments and all that was involved in all of that. But uh, so, so I thought, you know what, since this is our first Sunday back, it would be a uh, kind of a good opportunity for us to just kind of stop and um, uh, take a pause from our study in Moses. So uh, this morning, what I want to talk about is uh, I, I want to look back on the last couple of months and some lessons that we've learned. Um, actually, this Sunday is unprecedented in history for us. Uh, in, in our particular situation, uh, this is going to be our first time back. So th this Sunday, uh, today, is going to be actually a day that uh, we will actually talk about with our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I remember when, kind of, uh, one of those events. Uh, so uh, it is somewhat unprecedented. For us as a church, um, we are doing a touchless service. The idea that Holly Springs Bible Fellowship is having a service where we don't shake hands and touch and, and hug and encourage each other and, and, and pat each other on the back is just unprecedented uh, for us. But uh, you know, we're going to get through it and we're going to uh, work through all of the issues that are involved with that. But uh, this morning, I want to talk about the last couple of months. And I know you've heard all kinds of stuff. And if you're like me, you've, you've had your fill of it. Um, you're just done with um, a lot of this stuff. But uh, I, I want to take a little bit different track this morning, and I want to talk about some lessons that, um, that God has been teaching me through this, as, uh, both as a person and as a pastor. Um, some lessons that I think as a church uh, we can gather and, and, and pull away from this. And I think it's important that you personally do that as well. And so I want to just take some time this morning, and I'm going to share with you some some things that God's been teaching me, I want to share with you some verses, some stories to let you know um, kind of what's happened. So I'm kind of titling this um, Lessons I've Learned, um, Lessons Through This Pandemic that, that God has been um, teaching me, and, and maybe you can, you can use some of these in, in your thing as well. Uh, it's interesting because uh, this, uh, when I started putting all this together, one of the things I started to realize is really the last week when we talked about Moses and we talked about people and priorities. That's really what everything for me for the last couple of weeks has come down to. And so I've kind of taken uh, the last 
couple of months and put them into those two areas of people and priorities because I think that's probably one of the things that God has impressed upon my heart the most um, in the last couple of months. So uh, the first thing uh, that, that I, I have learned and, or that I, I that appreciated is the idea of uh, uh, the faithfulness of God's people. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says it this way. Uh, now, it is required that those of you who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Um, the King James says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Um, one of the things that has impressed me, one of the things that I've really observed over the last couple of months is the faithfulness of God's people. Um, when we headed into this, um, I kind of sat down with the board and sat down personally and kind of figured some things out as far as direction and, and things like that. And I really thought that because we couldn't gather together, one of the things that was going to happen is um, we were going to take a, a substantial financial hit. And so I was kind of looking at, you know, okay, what can we focus on and, and, and what are necessities and what are, are those kinds of things? And I was kind of preparing myself and preparing the board for the idea of, you know, we just need to tighten our belt a little bit. And, and we were in a comfortable enough situation that we knew we could survive it. Uh, but what happened was people really stepped up to the plate. Um, financially, and, and the board and I, as, as we would meet together, we were just shocked at, at, at how well people started mailing stuff in or doing stuff online and, and, and things like that. And, and, and the faithfulness of God's people financially over this thing has just been incredible. Uh, we started watching people uh, faithfully start to call different people or write or um, encourage other people, check in on each other. Um, and it was just amazing to watch as God started working and, and, and doing this. When we got to the point of we started having projects here that we needed to accomplish, get an area built for the video, finish the wall, get some things done around the facility, uh, uh, the parking area done and striped and some things like that. We just had so many people step up to the plate. And so the faithfulness of, of uh, God's people just really stood out in this whole thing. And uh, it was encouraging. I mean, it was incredibly encouraging to me just to, to see that idea. Um, a second idea that kind of came to that is this. Uh, it's the idea of the social connectedness. Um, it's interesting in Genesis chapter 2, God creates the world. And here's what he says. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I, I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. And, of course, here we have the creation story. We have the idea of God creating Eve and, and, and bringing her alongside of Adam and the two of them becoming a team. And it's this idea of social connectedness. And I know one of the things that I've observed here with this social distancing is we've tried to find ways to stay connected, and we have somewhat, but there's nothing better than face-to-face. -face. Um, there is nothing that has been uh, is more encouraging uh, than being able to do that. As a church, uh, we do not call it Holly Springs Bible Church. We call it Holly Springs Bible Fellowship because we put a big emphasis on this on this connectedness, this face-to-face, -face, this, this interaction with each other, being involved in each other's lives. <laughs> in the past couple of weeks, we've had some of the small groups start to meet together again and get together. And the things that I'm hearing are things like, it was so good to see each other. It was so good to smile together. It was so good to laugh together. And uh, I, I'm excited because this morning we get to be able to do that, because we get to be able to start doing that again. And, and one of the things that I've learned in, through this whole thing is, believe it or not, um, I'm okay being by myself. I, I am somewhat of an introvert and, and a recluse to a, to a point, uh, but even I've had my fill. And uh, I'm the point that I, I want to be getting around people again. 
And uh, I, I, by the way, I think that's what's happening in our society. I think part of what you're starting to see with the, the protests and everything else that's going on is, is, is just the frustration of people who have been alone for so long or isolated from other people for so long. And all of a sudden there's a cause that comes along and, and, and everybody can rally around it because part of it has to be with the, there's a social dynamic here that I think is at play. Now, I'm not minimizing what, what happened. And I'm not, I'm not excusing what happened. What I'm saying is I think there's more to it than just the protest. I think there's more to it than, than just the racial issue that, that, that is being talked about. I think part of it is we have a, and we're starting to see this even, even before the riot, the, 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 the protesting thing and all the rioting that took place. We're starting to see people basically fed up and frustrated. Um, and I think some of that frustration is because we've been apart. And so um, I, I think there's a great need for that fellowship, that interconnected face-to-face kind of thing. Um, the last thing, and I think this is probably one of the, 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 the issues that has come up the most, is the issue of deference. Um, let me read the passage and give you a little bit of explanation. This will help you. It says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's what Paul said. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether it's Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they might be saved. Uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I talked about on a Facebook live broadcast from my office, I talked about the idea of um, people who are seeing this whole issue as a faith versus fear issue. And, um, and, and I have good Christian friends, and I have uh, pastor friends who are seeing this as a faith versus fear. And I'm not saying it's not that. Um, there are people who have chosen to approach this whole thing living in fear. And, and, and that, is a, that is a different problem. That is a, that is a spiritual issue, and I, I don't want to minimize that. But I think it's too easy to throw <coughs> everything into that category of faith versus fear. And uh, you get in trouble when you do that. Uh, I, I, I think that what, what, what we're starting to see is an issue of what I, what I consider a meat offered to idol issues. And I brought this up on the Facebook Live broadcast, and I've had some people comment on it. And uh, I thought, you know what, for those of you that, that particularly watch online or are new to here, uh, I need to probably give you a little bit of an understanding of that passage. So uh, let me just give you a quick Bible lesson on the meat offered to idols issue and what I mean by that. Um, uh, in, uh, in Paul's day, when Paul writes in the New Testament, there's an issue that comes up of meat offered to idols. And is it okay for a Christian to eat it or not? Um, and so what you have to do is you have to understand it. So uh, here's a little bit of background. And, and you can read this in uh, 1 Corinthians 8, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, which is the end of the chapter we just talked about, and then uh, Romans 14. All three of those chapters deal with this issue. What happened was uh, there became an issue. So let's talk about Paul first. Paul, uh, before he became a Christian, was a Jew. In fact, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. Um, so Paul has a Jewish background before he becomes a Christian. Now, in the Jewish world, it's very, very clear. There is one God. Um, they said that every day. They focused on the fact that the Lord God is one. So in the Jewish world, uh, there, that's why the Jewish people had such a hard time accepting Jesus as God, because there's only one God. Um, and so in the Jewish world, there's only one God. So everything else is not considered a God. Uh, so in their world, um, that's the way that they looked at it. So when Paul becomes a Christian, 
Paul understands that there's one God. Um, the God of heaven, Jesus Christ, there's one God and one God alone. So when Paul looks at this issue of meat that would, had been offered to other gods, other gods are no gods. They're wood, they're stone, they're, 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 they're carved out of whatever. So for Paul, it's not an issue. It's just meat. However, when Paul starts preaching to the Roman people and the, and, and the people at Corinth and they become Christians, it becomes an issue. And the reason it becomes an issue is because these people were polytheistic. They were much like the Egyptian people. And so they worshiped many gods. And so what would happen is, so let's just say I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a person, I'm a polytheistic person in, uh, in uh, Corinth. And I worship uh, at the uh, Temple of Diana. And so every week I would go and I would worship the Temple of Diana and I would bring offerings. So I would take a, uh, my, my, my prized goat or my prized cow and I would make a sacrifice and offer that to, to the goddess Diana. And then what would happen is um, I, I would then, uh, they would have so many sacrifices, they didn't know what to do with all the extra meat. And it was really good, high top line stuff. So what would happen is they would then set up a market off to the side and they would sell that. And so I, being a good polytheistic uh, person in, in Corinth then, would go and spend my money at the market to buy the beef or to buy the meat. <clears throat> the money would go back to the temple to support Diana. And so that was the, the circle. Well, what happened is these people would become believers. And when they became believers, the issue was, wait a minute, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want any of my money to support it. I don't want any of my money to encourage it. So what I'm going to do is, I am not going to eat meat offered to idols. I'm going to have nothing to do with that. So what you have is you have Paul on the one hand who's going, you know what, the way I'm going to honor God is to realize there is only one God, and I'm not going to acknowledge those people as God. And Paul's right. On the other hand, you had a believer who was sitting there going, you know what, I believe now in the God of heaven, Jesus Christ, my personal Savior, the Son of God, so I'm going to honor him by not having anything to do with meat offered to idols. He's right also. The issue is you have two people who are approaching it two different ways, and both are right. And Paul says, how do we deal with this as a Christian? And Paul brings up this idea of, look, what I'm going to do, and this is what he talks about in 1 Corinthians 10. He said, even as I try to please other ones, I'm not going to seek my own good, but the good of many. Paul said, look, when I get to this issue, here's how I'm going to approach it. And this is what 1 Corinthians 8, 10, and Romans 14 talks about. He said, if I'm with my Jewish friend, basically, I'm going to sum up the whole thing and kind of give you a, a reader's digest for you. If I'm with my Jewish friends, um, we all believe the same thing. We don't have a problem meeting with me. I'm going to eat meat offered to idols. I'm going to eat, uh, we're going to go and buy the best stuff, and it's no big deal. Paul said, however, if I'm going to invite my, over to my house a bunch of uh, Roman people who were polytheistic, who are now believers, you know what? I'm not going to serve them idol meat. I'm going to go out and buy the other stuff. And Paul said, and if I'm ever sitting at a meal, I'm just going to eat what's in front of me. I'm not going to worry about it. But if somebody brings up the fact that this meat was purchased there, he said, then I'm going to stop eating it. Paul said, basically, here's the idea. I'm going to approach this with the idea of I'm not going to make this a do or die issue. What I'm going to do is put the needs of my other brothers or sisters first. And I think this is a great lesson in what we, what we have been through. 
is rather than looking at it as a, you don't have enough faith or you live in fear or you, you're, 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 you know, you're, um, you're um, tempting God. And, and instead of getting into all that stuff, it's really very easy to sit back and go, you know what, look, I'm going to approach it as a meat offered to idols issue. And um, that person can be right and that person can be right. And we can just agree to disagree and get along fine and just not make it an issue. And I think there's some great insight into that for us as believers. Now, again, I'm not talking about things that are clear-cut in Scripture. I'm not talking about black and white issues. There's no question. Black and white issues, there's black and white. It's clear. It's cut. It's, it's right, wrong. I'm talking about those issues like who's right, Paul or the people in Rome and Corinth who are putting God first by not offering meat off the Who's right? Both of them are. So they can learn to agree to disagree. And I think that's kind of where we've come to. Um, where, you know, some people see this issue one way, some people see it another way. When I'm with these people, I'll do it this way. When I'm with these people, I'll do it this way. And I think that's important for us to see that. And we have to be really careful because I start seeing people throw out these terms and stuff like, you know, you know well, you know, there's, you know, everybody's just sheep. Well, time out. Be careful when you start throwing out those kind of analogies because biblically we're all sheep following the shepherd. So I don't have a problem being sheep. Um, you know, and, and, and so be careful with, as we get out into that thing, um, as we understand it. So rather than see it as faith versus fear or sheep versus wolves, or a, you need to see it as a meat offered to idols kind of issue. Um, and I think that's been a good lesson for us, because if we could do that as a nation right now, we would go a whole lot farther than, we're, than the road we're heading down right now. So those are some lessons I, I kind of see about people. And then uh, the issue of priorities. Um, I think there's a lot of things to, to, to pull out of this. Um, here's just a couple of them. Here's one. Uh, listen to James. This is what James says in James chapter 4. <clears throat> now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city. We'll spend a year there. We'll carry on business. We'll make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The King James says you're a vapor that vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, will live and do this or that. Um, I think one of the great lessons um, in this whole um, pandemic kind of thing has this idea of um, how we look at uh, life or, or, or time in particular. And one of the things that we've learned, especially in the beginning of this, was to take everything one step at a time, one day at a time, uh, which is how we ought to have been living all along anyway. Um, because here's the bottom line. The only moment, the only thing that you are guaranteed is this moment. That's it. Uh, you're guaranteed this time. And one of the things that I've observed as I've looked at how people look at this thing of time and life and death is this idea that, that, that there are people who are literally scared of dying. Um, and I think it's a great opportunity for us to share that that's not something you need to be afraid of. Um, there are people who are so scared that they're going to get this and die. And, and they live in this incredible world of fear because they're afraid to die and yet for me as a believer absent from the body's present with the Lord I understand that the the moment my heart stops and my uh, my lungs stop breathing I step from here into eternity with my Lord and Savior and my loved ones that have put their faith and trust in so for me this whole idea of uh, of death and and, and everything else I, I look at it very differently than most people do and, and I hope that you, as you're, as you're watching, as you're listening, you, you have that same assurance 
that you know that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life, the only way to God, that you're putting all of your confidence and trust in Him and Him alone. And I, I, I see people who are just, you know, they've become so focused on protecting themselves physically that they're missing the point that every single day is a risk. That every day that you get up could be your last day. Um, that, that you are one heartbeat. You know, in the time that you watch this, in the time that you're, you're, you're watching this, do you understand how many times your heart has beat? And yet, all it has to do is stop, and it's over for you? Or how many times your lungs have taken in air, and all of a sudden they stop, and it's over for you? Have you thought about the fact that every time you drive to work, and you drive on a two-lane road, every car that passes you going the other way, you are 10 feet away from eternity every single time that happens? You always you focus on that, you just can't live life. Exactly. And there comes a point at which you have to have an assurance that there's something beyond this world so that this world, as, as the old saying goes, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And while I personally love my time here and love being with people and, and family and everything else, this is not my permanent place, folks. And so one of the things that I think, as far as priorities goes, is our time. And all of a sudden, we've started to realize that, you know what, we kind of need to rethink this thing about um, life and its brevity and, 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 and learn to value things. Um, and I think that's the second thing that I have looked at is, uh, is this idea of uh, things. Notice what Timothy says. He says it this way. We brought nothing into the world. We'll take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, let us be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires, plunge people into ruin and destruction. One of the things I think this has forced us to do is to sit back and look at our, uh, to, to look at things, to look at what things do we actually need in order to go forward. And basically what, what Timothy says is, look, it comes down to uh, food and raiment. You got, you got food and clothing, it's a good day. And a lot of people have had to make some really tough financial decisions. They've had to make some tough social decisions. They've had to make difficult uh, relational decisions because they've had to sit back and go, okay, um, you know, how much do I need this quote-unquote thing? So it's really helped us with our priorities regarding the things that we own, the things that we have. Um, another thing that has helped us with is not just the idea of things, but the idea of the way that we approach um, the idea of, of our time in regarding to rest. Um, Genesis chapter 2, when God creates the world, one of the things that you know the creation story, on the seventh day he rests. Genesis 2 says, God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Um, Genesis talks about this idea that even God himself said, I'm going to take a day apart and I'm going to unplug. Uh, when we get into Ten Commandments, we're headed when we get to Sinai, we're going to talk a little bit about the Sabbath principle. And this idea that we were made, the, the world is designed to rest. We're starting to see that. Um, uh, you know, the reason we have seasons is so that there's a break in there where the, where the ground gets to rest. Um, the reason that we um, have a, a Sabbath idea is that uh, we, we work so hard for six days, we need to have a day that we, we, we unplug from the culture that we're, and, and re-engage with the idea of, uh, of God and rest and focusing on uh, things that are important rather than things that are urgent. 
And so we see this Sabbath principle. And one of the things that I think has happened in the last couple of months is we've unplugged from our craziness. And all of a sudden we have time to sit back and reflect. And for some people that has been very, very difficult. And it's ended in frustration and anger and all the things that come with that. For some, uh, because again, we're seeing all kinds of things go up. Um, abuse, uh, um, uh, alcoholism, things like that. That's how some people have handled the um, being alone and isolated and that kind of thing. Uh, but one of the things that's happened is for some, they've sat back and said, you know, this is a time to, to reconnect, to reconnect with my family, to reconnect with the people in my house, uh, to be able to do things that we, we haven't done before. We go to the store and try to find a board game or a puzzle right now. Um, because one of the things, people have started to pull it out, do things, whereas in this connected electronic world, that hasn't happened before. But this has forced us to do that. So there's some really good things that have come out of this where people are rethinking this idea of, of, of unplugging and reconnecting um, and engaging in one another. Uh, one of the biggest lessons for me um, has been uh, the issue of... Um, I guess I'm going to call it adaptability, I guess, uh, would be a term for it. Um, there, there's an interesting story in the life of Jesus. And uh, what happens is uh, Jesus has preached to a crowd. They're all um, hungry. There's 5,000 men plus women and children. And uh, the disciples go, look, everybody's hungry. Send them back so they can go. And, and, and Jesus looks at the disciples. He goes, well, just feed them. And they come back to Jesus and go, look, if we had a ton of money, we couldn't do that. There's just too many people. So what Jesus does is he looks at him and says, let me ask something. He said, what do you got? And they said, well, we got five loaves and two fishes. He says, okay, let's work with that. Let's work with what we've got and let's see what we can do. And so you read this in uh, Matthew 14, chapter 17. Here's what he says. It says, <laughs> we have here only five loaves of bread and two fishes. They answered. They, they said, this is all we've got. This is all we've got. And, and, and Jesus, you know the story. Jesus takes that and he feeds them and they end up with, with leftovers. Um, and it's a story that basically says, look, what Jesus focuses on, there's all kinds of principles. One of the principles is this. What Jesus focuses on is what he has and what he could do with what he has. And he learns to adapt. Um, I'll give you a little bit of my back, background the last couple of uh, months and stuff like that. Um, well, one of the things that's happened... Um, Years ago, um, I have a mentor who really helped me understand this principle. And um, the principle was this. Um, he talked about the idea and, and the need for you to get out of your comfort zone, to, to, to step outside of the box. And uh, through that, what, what, what I learned was when you, when you do that on a fairly regular basis, what happens is um, you see things differently. You get a different perspective. Um, you deal with the issues of risk. You deal with the issues of um, experiences. You're out of your comfort zone completely. And what it forces you to do is it forces you to, to, to think in different ways. It forces you to respond in different ways. It gives you a different set of experiences now to draw on down the line in life. And so for a number of years, I, I was doing that on a pretty regular basis. The last couple of years, I kind of got away from it. And last year, um, uh, Josh decided, Josh and I decided that we wanted to get involved in, in, in trying to do a mobile glass blowing thing. We, it's been a passion for years and always been a dream and some things happened that made it made it possible and so Josh started a business as, as mobile glass blowing business and and I got to be a part of kind of helping with all of that but it's it, it's his deal but we were kind of doing it together and so it forced us 
uh, into a business world, and it forced us into business conversations, and it, it really challenged my thinking on a lot of things. Now, one of the things that we, we, we learned was that it's important in a business world to be able to pivot quickly um, and, and to figure out when your business needs to pivot and, 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 and how to do that. And it's, a, it's, it's kind of a buzzword right now in the business circles where what it means is you're going one direction and, and, and you quickly shift or add something to it and, and, and that process of pivoting a business. And so, um, so, you know, that had started to happen and this thing hit and basically the... the uh, this business for us, it wasn't a, a sole source of income. It was just something um, on the side uh, that we were able to do. Um, and so uh, it, it changed everything for all of our plans and stuff like that for the year. Uh, but as far as a church goes, um, uh, it was tough. Um, and um, uh, it, it, it pushed me way outside my comfort zone. Uh, what you should understand is that, you know, we were going, we went from meeting three days a week, three times a week, um, to an online and email communication platform in six days. Uh, we took everything here and, and shifted it that way. Um, and if you want to talk about being outside of your comfort zone, um, even though I have a computer background, um, this online thing is a whole different world. The Video social media thing is a whole different world. I mean, you know, we were getting into it in the, in the glass part of it, but Josh was running. I, and I, didn't have a, I, I didn't have a big part of, of having to do that. So all of a sudden now, everything changed. My, my way of preaching had to change. All of a sudden now I'm preaching to empty chairs. Um, all of a sudden now, um, as far as the um, teaching, preaching, uh, even, even things as simple as, the way I walk on a stage now, I have to rethink. I have to rethink um, how I dress and how it's going to look on camera now instead of um, just being able to somewhat be myself on a Sunday. Uh, I had to, all of a sudden now we had to think about the way the stage looked. We had to um, start exploring all of these platforms. Um, and, and, and I'm telling you, it pushed me. You want to talk about being outside of your comfort zone? You want to talk about, I mean, my poor family, um, the, first, the first month, you need to know, I mean, my family heard this. My wife probably heard this 10 times a week when I would come in and say, I'm going to send out an email. I'm going to come up with a list of online churches that people can watch online, and I'm going to send them to that. This is not worth it. Um, I can't tell you the number of times we had that discussion or uh, the amount of pressure to make sure we had one Sunday we had Facebook or we had the, the, the live thing crash 20 minutes. Everything shut down 20 minutes before. Nothing worked. And in 20 minutes, we had to get everything up. Um, the, um, the amount of uh, stress was just through the roof. It, actually, I think I was under less stress when we were building the building than I have been for the last two to three uh, months trying to adapt and shift and change. So it took me way, 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 way outside of my comfort zone. Um, and it forced me into areas that, uh, that, that, that have been very, very difficult. But we, we've had to pivot with what we needed to do to continue to minister. Um, and so, but as I look back on it, and as the board and I have been reflecting on it, we've started to realize the opportunities that were there because we did what we did. And we're starting to realize that um, the things that we share on Sunday, we can now share to more people than just simply our, our, our local people. 
And I'm getting comments from family and friends who said, you know, I've been able to share it with my parents or my friends or this person and that person. We're able to just watch God do all kinds of credible things through it. And I look back on it and I think, you know what, had we not been adaptable, had not, we not taken a look at, okay, what do we have and let's figure out what we can do. Um, much like Jesus did with the, the, the bread and the fish. Had we not done that, what, what opportunity would, would we have lost? And, and, and we're able to do this now and we're able to um, watch God bless this and honor this in all kinds of ways. And, and, and just, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing to us, it really is. And one of the lessons that I've taken away from it is I wonder, as we go forward, how many opportunities we will miss because we're not willing to be adaptable, because we're not willing to pivot, because we're not willing to shift and change with, with what we need to, to, to do. And um, I, I hope that as we go forward, we're willing to be able to step back and say, okay, God, let's just see where you're, what you want us to do, and we'll take what resources we have, and we'll, we'll, we'll go that direction with it. So it's been some great lessons. So I wrap all this up this morning to say this. Look, as I step back and look over the last couple of months, I've taken some time to say, look, here's what I've learned about people. Their faithfulness, the need for the social interaction, the importance of deference, of putting other people first. Here's what I've learned about priorities and the idea of spending time and making sure that we're always ready to stand before the Lord because we don't know when our last breath will come. Uh, regarding things, regarding um, the ability to um, invest my time and to focus and, and pull time away for the Sabbath idea of, of setting things apart for God. And then just the idea of adaptability. I think that's a big one for me is, is the importance of being able to adapt when we need to adapt, um, to pivot when we need to pivot, to be able to look at the resources we have and instead of saying, oh, we can't do this, we can't do this, we can't do this, figure out what we can do. And as I look back, those are some lessons that I learned. So I want to challenge this morning with two things, um, uh, two ideas. And, and, and here's the first. I want you to ask these two questions. What have you learned and how are you going to remember it? What have you learned and how are you going to remember it? Here's why. Things are starting to open up and, things, and the pace is going to start picking up. And people are going to start getting back to doing things before. And before you know it, things are going to be crazy and fast-paced just like they were before. And before you know it, you're going to have gone all the way past this crisis, and you're not going to have taken the time to step back and pause and say, what have I learned? So the first question I want you to ask is, what, what have you learned? For me, the big thing for me is the, the, the need as we go forward for being adaptable to what God has for us. And that, 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 that's a big takeaway for me. The, um, I, I will never look at a church service the same again with regard to the connectedness and the opportunity to be able to connect face-to-face. Um, and so I'm going to treasure that. I'll, I'll never look at singing the same again or communion the same again. But it, here's the thing. You've got to sit back and stop and take the time to say, what have you learned? The second thing you have to ask yourself is this. How are you going to remember it? And we're going to talk about this in the life of the children of Israel. When they get ready to go into the promised land, one of the things that Joshua does when he leads them in is he sets up two memorials, uh, one private and one public. And the purpose of the public one is he says, when you're down the line, when your kids walk by and say, Daddy, Mommy, what's that? You're able to tell them the story of what God did here. So it was important that they set up a way to remember it. And so here's my question. How are you going to remember the lesson that you learned or the lesson that you learned during this time? 
I think you need something physical. I think you need something tangible. For me, honestly, um, next time we probably get in a glass shop or in the next couple of times whenever we get back to blowing glass, I'm probably going to make a, a corona piece. Um, I'm probably going to make a piece of glass that will remind me of this time. And it will remind me of the lessons that God taught me during this time because I don't want to forget them. I don't want to forget them as a person. I don't want to forget them as a pastor. And, and I just want to challenge because that is so easy to do. You're going to see this with the children of Israel. They continually forget what they were supposed to learn. And we don't want to do that. So I want to challenge you this week with two questions. First of all, what have you learned? Secondly, how are you going to remember it? And allow God to use that so that as you go forward, um, it, the crisis that we've been through is, has not been in vain. It's not been wasted. It's actually been used as a stepping stone for you um, to deepen your faith and deepen your relationship. So I end this morning with this. Um, as we finally close, I want to challenge you. The last few months have tested us all. It's important that we take time to reflect on what we have learned. We have to learn and implement the lesson that make us more like Jesus Christ. All of the things of the last few months can be used to deepen our relationship with God, and to expand our opportunities to impact the world for Christ. Let this season of life shape and mold you in healthy ways as you go forward. Let's let God use it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for the time. Lord, as we go forward from here, as things start to pick back up, may we be careful to not forget um, the things that we learned through this season. And Lord, um, use us. Lord, there is a world that is just scared to death because they're not ready to leave this place. Lord, would you help us to be able to share the gospel, to share the good news that death is not something we need to fear. Lord, let us be a light as we seek to talk to, encourage, share with others the incredible message of your love and your grace and your forgiveness. And Lord, may you prepare their hearts to accept it and use us as a part of that process. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Well, uh, Lord bless you. Uh, we, Lord willing, will uh, hear from you. Let us know you're watching. Let us know... Um, uh, if there's a way that we can pray for you or minister or encourage you. And uh, Lord willing, we'll uh, do this again next week. Have a great week.